All right, welcome to the Pod More Get Better podcast. It is uh, technically July 8th, Sunday, though this episode is being pre-recorded by myself, Will Sandstead. And myself, Tony Johnson, a.k.a. Whammy. Yeah, just uh, wanted to kind of do a quick one here for you and uh, continue, continuing with our Sunday theme and trying to get these out every Sunday for you guys. Uh, we're going to try to breeze through this fairly quick. Uh, some of the big news coming up, we obviously have the next two PEGT Tour events coming up. Uh, you can find them on PEGTTour.com. We have Cincinnati coming up August 23rd to the 26th. Uh, it's going to be at James Third Base in Mason, Ohio. Uh, following that up, uh, about a month and a couple weeks later, we're going to have Richmond, Virginia, October 4th to October 7th. This is going to be the 16th annual one hosted at Baja Bean in Richmond. So this is one that Will's never been to. I've been to only once. I've been trying to get to this tournament for like the last five years because I it, it's, it's hosted by an amazing host, Jeff Allums. Uh, who's been hosting this tournament again? Like Will said, for 16 years, it started. It's called the NIV because it was started as not in Vegas because it was hosted opposite the Vegas uh, at the time national championships, uh, and so everyone that didn't make the nationals would find themselves in Richmond to play in the NIV, not in Vegas. Uh, Jeff puts on a great tournament. Obviously, the PEGT guys help put on you know the, the tournament itself, but the mm-hmm. host Jeff is is fantastic. So I've been keep trying to get back. I'm really trying to get there this year. I don't have any specific conflict. Last few years, I've had some conflicts that just could not possibly be moved. So really looking forward to hopefully getting to that tournament this year. Yeah, I've, I've already looked at it as well. Uh, I, I really wanted to get to this. Everyone says that in the past. They've had, goodness, I believe it's like uh, free beer Friday. I think they do a free poker tournament where you get a free roll in a tournament with actual cash prizes. And then they do like a pig roast, I think, on Saturday or Sunday, it just sounds absolutely fantastic, and I I feel terrible. I've never been to it because it's the longest running Golden Tee tournament, basically, and I, I still haven't made it there. Yeah, so definitely, if if you if you uh, if you're looking for if for sure if you're like on the East Coast, that's a great one. That's yeah. kind of the only. Well, I guess we got Orlando, mm-hmm. but um, but certainly in the Northeast, it's as close as you're going to get to the Northeast. Uh, you, I I see on Facebook a lot of times, guys. You know, in New York City or the you know Massachusetts or something like that, saying, "Hey, when are we going to get a tournament in the Northeast?" Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it's tough not only for the PEGT guys to get up there, uh, but also the, there's there's not a huge local player base, and so having Richmond, you know, take the train down yeah. from uh, from New York City and, and attend a Golden Tee tournament. Yeah, so go ahead and check out PEGTour.com. You'll find information about Cincinnati and Richmond, both with the dates, the locations, as well as the registration page. You can prepay for that. Uh, You can simply sign up to let them know that you're going to attend and pay in person if need be. So those are definitely options. Uh, Some of the other news this week, uh, this has been announced at the World Championship via the live stream, and I don't think we'd uh, really covered it much. We, I think, just briefly touched on was ladder mode. Uh, something new, whether it's under the events format or prize format. Uh, we don't really have the specifics, but it's fun to kind of speculate about what it could entail coming up for Golden Tee 2019. Yeah, so again, it's absolutely pure speculation at this point from, from Will and I, but you know, it sounds like part of it is going to be the fact that John Daly is now involved in, Very 20, in, in 2019. I think he's forward. a great demographic of our you know, you know, I representative. Of, I yeah. can't think of a better one. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, yeah. So uh, I think that it'll be interesting to see how this works. I think he'll have some commentary involved yeah. in the, you know, kind of like Peter Jacobson does now. But it sounds like this ladder mode, he's going to be like the, 
the king boss or something like that. I don't yeah. Know. Or, or, or maybe it'll be, or maybe it'll be uh, Evan who you know just won the world championships. Maybe Daly will be the second boss, and then Evan will be the the top boss. Who knows? But it sounds like something you can kind of work your way up. Whether it's kind of like casual mode now or or some sort of glory play, I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out more maybe in the next couple weeks. Yeah, so that sounds exciting as you work your way up. You know, beating all these uh, pros or bosses, uh, golden tee players, real golf players. That, that sounds exciting. I don't know if you might get specific swag as you take that on. Uh, potentially some interesting costumes or uniforms and so forth. Uh, I think the last thing we kind of want to talk about with our news portion this week is uh, some speculation on Facebook is, you know, folks are kind of ramping up the interest in the new courses for 2019. Uh, Folks are talking a lot about closest to the pin. Uh, It's not a game mode I typically play much anymore, and we actually had the CEO, Don Pescone, uh, chime in. I think he said that... He's not the CEO. He wishes he was the CEO. He's the head of marketing, I think. Head of marketing? I thought he was CEO. Maybe we'll, he is we'll, the CEO. We'll, we'll have to pull this Facebook page. Yeah. Well, th- either uh, Will just uh, gave Don a bigger title than he deserved, or I have not been giving Don <laughs> enough credit. Well, on, one on, of the two. <laughs> on Royal Dubai, you can see uh, off in the distance. If you look early on uh, the front side, you can look in the distance um, as you see some of the hotels, and there's actually a hotel that says Pescone Towers. So. That was pure bribery. I <laughs> so, someone's raise and uh, valuation was coming up, but Don had chimed in. The, stating that closest to the pin accounts for approximately only 2% of gameplay. And like I, I said, you know, I, I might go out and play 10 to 20 games, you know, fairly often during the course of the week, but I find myself rarely playing closest to the yeah. pin. Yeah, I, I almost never do. I, I think there's a couple, what I would say, closest to the pin experts or, mm-hmm. you know, pros that play it really regularly. Uh, yeah. And they just don't feel, and, and uh, I don't know if it was this year or the year before, they actually reduced the, the field from 50 to 35 in a given contest. So that, I think that was a sign that gameplay was dwindling. Yeah. And, and I think with all the new gameplays that have been come that have come about over the last few years, Money Shot being kind of the most recent one, yeah. um, I think it's taken a lot away in terms of gameplay from closest to the pen. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with you on that. I, I find myself, my routine or my ritual when I first come out to try to warm up my thumbs, I might play one to six games of Money Shot, depending on the setup, depending on how much I like that whole as kind of my warm-up and my practice, but I rarely find myself playing CTTP, so it could be an interesting period here as uh, we transition to 2019, uh, seeing what effects it has, whether it's in a prize play mode or event mode, or if it's strictly something that gets left to the homeowners. I know uh, they have CTTP on the homeowner Yeah, they, and they just gave that to us a couple years ago. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if it's a holdover on the home edition machines, yet gets taken out of the uh, prize play machines that are found in your local bars. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the classic course of the week here. Uh, But first, we have a new sponsor, Tony. Oh, I love that sponsor money. Yeah, pretty exciting. Last week was Tansy's Taco Shack. This week... Who is it? Huge. We have Haas's Sleeping Potion. Former world champ. Andy Haas. Has a new sleeping potion? Yeah, if, if, if you've been to tournaments or on Facebook, you may have seen how well this product actually works. I've seen it in person. Yeah. Many times. If you've had a long day or you just need a break... You, you might be in the middle of a, a, a one through five match, and yeah. you might be on the 17th hole and you need a break. Haas's sleeping potion is strong enough to help you sleep at that exact moment, but it's not overly strong where if your friends come up to you and tell you you have to tee off on hole 18, they can give you a quick shake, wake you up, you can play your 18th hole, and go right back to bed. So you're, you're saying that I wouldn't necessarily wait until I get back to my hotel to take the sleeping potion? I might, even in the middle of a... Even in the middle of a money game, I might take the sleeping potion. 
And it would take practically immediate effect? Practically immediate effect. Wow. Yeah, th- this is a fantastic product. Uh, I've tried it. it. It might have a slight alcohol content, just like some of your over-the-counter you know, cough syrup and cough medicine, but this is a secret potion. This is Haas's sleeping potion. Um, so if you are in the middle of that money game and you need a break, you need to gather your thoughts, you need to gather your deep thoughts, take a little break with some Haas's sleeping potion. So thank you to Haas's sleeping potion for bringing us the classic course of the week. We're going to throw it over to Tony Johnson, a.k.a. Whammy, to bring us our classic course of the week. Yes. So uh, last week, I hope you all enjoyed classic course of the week, Eagle Crest. Uh, this week, uh, the classic course of the week is Heather Point. Returning to the original live format. Yes. Original live course, one of five courses. So that year was uh, Kangaroo, Cumberland, Whispering, Coral Vista, and Heather Point. Uh, the par varies on Heather Point from 28 to 31. I know that uh, I do have a minus 31 with zero GSP on this course. <laughs> uh, the it's uh, you know it's a uh, it's a British Isles course. Uh, big winds, right? So this is a lot of the courses are pretty standard, right? You'll have your low winds at the beginning and your high winds at the end, and they'll kind of cap out at say 15 or 16 miles per hour. Correct. Probably 15. Heather Point actually goes a little bit higher. You can get winds up to 18 or 19 miles per hour on some of these closing holes. And so uh, it's a little wrinkle that Heather Point and a couple other of the British Isles courses would have. Uh, personally, I'm not sure exactly what bag I'm going to use for this. Uh, these bunkers can be pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's not just a one-shot kind of bunker. It's a two-shot or a three-shot or a completely screwed kind of bunker. Penalty mode. Yeah, so you might – I'm considering I'll have to think about whether I – because there's a lot of sh- a lot of shots on this course that look like they'd be pretty sweet in that kind of six, five, four, three-wood range. Like I've said before, if I take out a club, it's going to be my four-wood. Uh, and in this case, I would be replacing it with my lob wedge. So that would be kind yeah. of my Mystic Hills bag. Um, so we'll see. I'm not sure yet. I'll have to think about it. Yeah, so hole one on Heather Point, uh, back in the day prior to tees, this hole uh, was very rarely drivable. You could usually get, get somewhere inside 100 yards for kind of a, you know, a chip. Uh, What's interesting, actually, on this hole is this was, we're going again back to the original. Mm-hmm. The long driver back then, I might get some of these details wrong, and Jeff Vordahl will tell me where, I'm, where I got it wrong, was a 320 driver instead of a 310 now. Correct. And we had what we called blue balls back in the day. They were like super distance balls. And so actually, if anything, I would say that this hole is a little bit less drivable than really? it used to be. Really? Oh, I would beg to differ. So podcast listeners, All you right. can definitely uh, let us know. So anyway, we got hole one. It's a you know straightaway par four. Uh, drivable-ish, depending on where in the tee box you are. You're going to be playing an A1 usually or maybe a C3, depending on the wind. Uh, worth noting is even if you, you know, there's a big hill right before the green to get down onto the green. Even if you stop on that hill, as long as you're as long as you're within say 45 yards, uh, you'll be able to putt from on that hill. A missile putt. Yeah, missile putt. So again, you the the putter kind of maxes out depending on what balls you're using between 130 and 140 feet. Yeah. So if you're up on that hill uh, and and you're less than 45 yards, give it a uh, shot. Give it a sure. shot with the putt. So uh, hole two, a lot like hole one in terms of it being somewhat drivable, right? Yeah. In this case, we've got uh, we've got a relatively small tee box, so we don't have too much variance in distance. Uh, the difference here is you're almost if you're gonna get on the green here, uh, you're almost always gonna be bouncing over a bunker. And again, this is one of those holes where, man, I really think by the end of the week I'm gonna be glad I have a lob wedge. Yes. Because 
while, while I might want to bounce over the bunker, it's definitely not going to happen every time. <laughs> and so I'll be finding myself in those bunkers, which are not particularly friendly, and they're definitely not gap wedge bunkers. They're lob wedge bunkers. Yeah, in terms of the risk-reward getting in those bunkers, that lob wedge, you're going to want to have that, where if you don't make the green, you just want to be able to get out and then just up and down, take your birdie and move on. So over to hole three here. Uh, hole three is kind of a fun one. You, you don't see uh, this as much anymore. This uh, hole has a lot of varying distance now. A lot of the newer courses we've seen in the last couple of years, your first par three is typically going to be a shorter hole, uh, having a you know mid-range iron all the way down to a you know nine iron, a gap wedge or whatnot. Um, but this one has some varying distance. Tony, if you want to talk about that yeah, a little. And it, well, you know some of them, some of the par threes early on, especially with the new tee boxes, the second half of this year have been have been a little bit longer, the, the first par three on the course, but they don't vary nearly as much like Will said. So this can go anywhere from like 160 yards up to 270 yards. Plays a little bit downhill. Uh, but not much uh, into a down green. So this is a hole where you can. We talked about we talked about the bite uh, on uh, was it hole six of Bonnie Moore, yeah, uh, and how that's a really valuable thing to just kind of hit the green and roll out. Uh, same thing here. You might be coming in with like a, a five wood or a six wood, throw some bite on that rather than backspin and let it just kind of roll towards the hole. So I think that's you'll have an opportunity for a for a closer close shot hole in one GSP here. Uh, hole four is a completely drivable par four, no question about that. Uh, sometimes it can play a little bit long, it can get up a little bit over 300 yards, but for the most part it's going to be in that kind of 260 to 280 yard range. Uh, a little bit uphill, so it's kind of a, 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 the green is up kind of on a little mound, so it kind of rolls yeah. off pretty quickly. There's some pretty dicey bunkers there too. Uh, might that might those might actually be flop hutch bunkers, not lob hutch bunkers. <laughs> uh, they're pretty deep, uh, but you know this was a tough hole back in the day. Still, is not an easy hole, but you know as as we have bags with six woods, five woods, four woods, three woods, uh, this is exactly the type of hole that we do that for. Is because you want to do be able to just play a smooth palm or a smooth thumb. Uh, to the right distance. Yeah, I, I find myself back in the day and then playing it in some invites or whatnot, uh, typically hitting like a, to Tony's point, a, a five wood to a 290 driver sometimes, but primarily five, four, and three wood with backspin. I, I don't think I've ever really used roll or bite or anything to the point of him talking about it's an uphill green as well as when you look at the green, you're hitting into an uphill green, but then it slopes slightly downward. Yeah, like I think down three, five or down, yeah, six, yeah. down a couple degrees. Uh, next up, hole five, which is our first par five. Uh, this hole is, uh, I'd say, pretty different with tees. Uh, it used to be that a lot of the time you'd find yourself having to lay back in that first fairway, not even necessarily to the end of that first fairway, but kind of on the, you know, shortest. Short right, toward, I believe. Yeah, short right toward the end of the fairway. Uh, at this point, with tees, you can kind of blast it into that far fairway, unless you're in the very back of this tee box with a headwind or something like that. Yeah. You might have to lay back in that first fairway, but for the most part, you're able to blast it up the hill onto that onto that far fairway. And then from there, again, it's a huge green. There's lots of big greens on this course. Uh, you can find yourself you know, anywhere from, a say, a seven hybrid in my case to a, you might have an eight wood or a seven yeah. wood or something. Yeah, some like good that. variance in terms of the depth of the green here in terms of what clubs you'll leave yourself coming into here. Over to hole six, uh, we have our second par three here. Uh, this one starts to get a little interesting. The green is uh, a lot more wide than it is deep. So you have bunkers front, you have water in front of you, you have a bunker to the back center of you, and you're slightly elevated. So yeah. Tony had talked about on Heather Point these winds picking up here where on the first three, four holes, you're already looking at having winds that are 9, 10, 11 miles an hour. You get a big headwind or a crosswind here, 
um, you can definitely find yourself getting behind early on a par three like this. Yeah, and I think uh, this is an example of something we talked about last week. Well, normally on a hole six, you might not find yourself with a 10 mile per hour wind, but in this case, you might have a 10 mile per hour crosswind, and then mm -hmm. you do get to take advantage of that one click left, one click right kind of kind of wind uh, cheating. And but but for the most part, this hole is going to be again pretty short, 100 yards to 140. There's not a lot of room around the hole. It's almost kind of in two quadrants or two two sections yeah. of the green. So the, the green plays really small. Uh, this is a pretty difficult hole for you know for what it is a, a short yeah, the, par three. There's just a lot of trouble around it. Yeah, this early in your round. Especially with big wins. Um, yeah, you you can definitely drop some strokes here. And to Tony's point about there being almost two greens, you can't really land in the center. And I never really found myself using backspin that often. Um, yeah, so this is I one cutting that, it in. One that definitely the fact that we have bite now helps is, a lot. Is a huge asset. Kind huge of a asset. land and stick kind of shot. Uh, next up, we got hole seven. Um, I feel like at this point, if this was a 2019 hole, it might be a par three. Uh, there's not much to this hole. It's a relatively short, kind of 190 to 230 yard hole into a down green, but there's nothing in your way, right? You you could hit anywhere from a two hybrid to a eight wood, and and nothing's in your way. So, uh, relatively straightforward, always drivable par four. Uh, I imagine there's par threes on a lot of courses that have a worse stroke average than the than this par four does. It's Most pretty, definitely, pretty yeah. You're, you're going to be looking at hole. yeah, definitely looking at biter backspin uh, every time on this hole. And here's where it starts to get fun is hole eight, Heather. Uh, we've talked about pulling out the big A ones or C threes last week. We uh, kind of talked about Paul Luna and his inadequacies um, with his driver, only having a lifetime record, I believe. Of, Goodness, was it 462 yards? 460. Uh, you keep talking, Will. I'm going to look that up on the fly okay, right good. now. We, Let's we, see if he improved on it we, this week. We, we, we don't want to mismention Luna's no, anatomy. He happened to get into the 470s. I hate to shortchange him. Well, well, Bonnie Moore was the course to do it. So here on this hole, we have a par 5, and there's actually one huge fairway, but you'll notice kind of a reverse fissure in the fairway. It's a two-tiered fairway. <laughs> oh, boy, fissure time. And Something we had talked about um, back in the day is we talked about riding the rush on this. So this, this hole is going to be a long par 5, but if you catch the tier that drops from the main fairway that's on the left-hand side to the right-hand side, you can ride the rush by hitting a big A1 with roll where it starts catching these hills and it'll ramp you up by the green. I've been greenside uh, fairly often with a wind that's typically you know blowing out at maybe 1 to 3 o'clock. Yeah, and I... And actually, I've played around with doing a low tee on this just to get that a little Ooh, bit more of kind extra of the, roll. The scoot, 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 scoot ramp. Uh, I've had many drives, I won't say many, at least 10 drives over 500 yards on this hole. Usually if you get, I mean, I've had ones at 530. TDO, Tony drove it over. Yeah, well, but at that point, you're not actually going to stay in the fairway. You're going you're gonna ride to the, ride the ramp, and you're going to end up in the, in the crap, but... But again, you can still say you drove it 530 it's yards. It's fun. Unlike, it's fun. here's the update: Paul Luna still at 467 yards. 467. The, the, I, I was the record. I don't believe it changed this week. I think that's where he was to start. Uh, he, maybe he didn't play Bonnie more at all. Maybe he's been on vacation. Because yeah. otherwise, for sure, he would have gotten over 467. Yeah. yeah. Ho holiday weekend here. I think my daughter might have hit a 470 yard one this morning. <laughs> when we <were> playing. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, Heather Point. 
Uh, not it doesn't look like a long driver opportunity, but actually you can you can have almost a 500 yard drive here and stay in the fairway. Yeah. Otherwise, if if you're just playing with buddies, uh, the majority of the time you're just going to hit a big A1. You're going to throw it in the fairway, and due to the size of the green, it's not the biggest. It's not the smallest. Uh, you can definitely have a short wood or just a mid range mid range iron into the green. Pretty straightforward par five. Yep. Uh, next up, we got hole nine. A pretty straightforward par four. Uh, what you see is what you get. A little bit downhill. Usually going to be 280 to 320 yards, kind of in that range. Uh, again, perfect for the fact that now a lot of us have a three wood, a 290 driver, and a 310 driver. Uh, gives us a lot of options as it relates to backspin or bite or yeah, backspin or bite. Release, definitely the way to go. So, so coming into the backside here, uh, we have one that used to be slightly drivable back in the day on a very very rare occasion. Uh, I know I actually pulled off the first 30 in Wisconsin history playing with a bunch of Wisconsin guys back in the day when live first came out and this was a hole I happened to drive during that uh, big money game round um, so kudos to Wisconsin for letting me play with you guys uh, this one though it's with the tees um, I find myself probably screwing this up more often um, hitting short left and in the bunker or into the water as opposed to getting it on the green I don't know if this just doesn't line up well with my sight but I I find myself thinking oh this is just a huge c3 and probably not putting enough thought or effort into it. Yeah, I I agree. I, I that's exactly what I did this morning. And the round, my when I was kind of taking the notes, I I feel up, better. I uh, I was in the front box again. It's not really drivable from the. There's three boxes from the middle or the back box. It's going to be a layup in the fairway. But from the front box, certainly it's going to read something like 385 to 410 yards. That feels super drivable. Yeah. Uh, and so you feel like you have to go for it. But to Will's point, it feels like I'm always overcutting it even this morning i was like make sure you don't give it the full a or the full c in this case uh and i was still left and so again a lot of times the bunker just short of the green will catch you uh which if you have a lob wedge might not be the worst thing but if your shortest club is a gap wedge might be a real problem uh, but again play around with uh trying to figure out the best way to if not drive on the screen get up close to the screen and, and save yourself from going in the water uh next up we got a par three hole 11 uh i remember this hole being yes. a huge huge <laughs> pain in the ass back in the day uh we talked about the winds being uh higher on heather point than other courses uh this this hole is a really skinny or you know skinny green it's pretty deep but it's pretty skinny uh and we were not good at cut shots back then no. i don't think any of us were no. we've gotten a lot better at cut shots you know I, now i can i know how to cut a five hybrid into the wind but it's still a little bit downhill Again, we might have a 12 or a 13 mile per hour wind here. Slight elevation change elevation, as well. Elevation, the green is like a down five, right five. Just a, it can be a really, it, it can be easy, right? It can play, mm -hmm. it could be a thumb nine iron. Yeah, uh, with a dead or, straight wind, yeah. Or it could be a uh, a huge cut five hybrid or a three hybrid or something like that. Yeah. You know, this hole can play pretty difficult. So uh, certainly uh, get your bird here if you can and, and move along to the next hole. Agreed, yeah. Uh, next up, we got hole 12, uh, first par five on the back nine. Uh, again, I, I feel like it's a pretty common theme here. We say, uh, well, things are a lot easier now with tees and all the balls and all the clubs that we have, and certainly the case here um, that there's a big castle in your way for the, your second shot, and and you know if you can get all the way, there's there's kind of two groups of bunkers by the fairway. There's a group of three, which is the further group, and there's a group of two, which is a lot closer. Let's say 250 to 300 yards off the tee. Uh, if you can get past that group of three from the front box, 
that's great. You got a straight look right at the green. But most of the time, that's not going to be possible. So you're going to find yourself kind of in between those two groups of bunkers. And then you're going to find yourself cutting a, a, a five wood or a four wood or a three wood kind of around that castle. And uphill. And uphill. Uh, big wind, usually. Um, so while this course, this hole used to be extremely difficult, uh, it's gotten a little bit easier, but it's still pretty difficult. In theory, actually, this morning I had kind of an interesting setup. I was all the way in the back box, and I laid up way on the right-hand side of the fairway. So I actually went around the right-hand side of that castle because I had a big tailwind. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's, that's at least worth thinking about. But for the most part, uh, you're going to be going between those two groups of bunkers. Yeah, next up uh, we have hole 13, which is, uh, which is par 4. A um, little bit of elevation change. Uh, we still have the big crosswinds here, and I believe it's a up 8 or 10 green. I think it's a 10. Um, a lot of times it can play down, I believe, to like 270 all the way up to probably 320, I believe. Uh, yep. So we got some good distance, but you're always going to have that, I believe, up 10 green here. Uh, tees come into effect, which is a good, good one here, but you're also going to have uh, some issues with bunkers in the front if you're short. But otherwise, it's a pretty straightforward par four for something on the back side. Yeah, a lot of these par fours on this course, the drivable ones are kind of what you see is what you get, except mm -hmm. for those ones that are kind of borderline whether they're drivable or not. Uh, next up, we've got hole 14, uh, a, in theory, undrivable par four. <laughs> but I know that if you get a perfect setup, it is drivable because you, know, you ride a big tailwind, you play a big A1 or a C3, uh, it's a little bit downhill from the fairway to the green. In theory, it's drivable, and I'm sure somebody this week will drive it, but I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, th th this is a hole I, I think back in the day I, I tried to drive a couple times, and whether it's during an invite and I have absolutely blown the invite, have no chance to win, I'll goof around with it, but uh, I don't think the occasion comes up. Uh, typically, you're just going to go straight out in the fairway uh, prior to the bunkers near the cliff. Uh, also, there's an option to go way over to the right-hand side into the rough, trying to angle up and line up your wind like we talked about in previous episodes, either getting a direct headwind or a direct tailwind. And coming out of the rough, that's also going to take off some of your spin. So if you hit backspin, it's not going to check up as much. Yep. Uh, next up, we've got uh, a not what you see is what you get whole uh, par four. <laughs> this is uh, always drivable. Uh, tees help big time on this hole. Uh, for two main reasons. One is so you can get there's there's some big like I don't say houses or something in the way. It's way downhill, but you got to clear the houses. It used to be that you had to go between the houses. You couldn't go over them. Uh, so now with high tees, uh, depending on the club, you can go over them. Uh, additionally, it might help to be able to hit a three wood high tee instead of a driver, just in terms of controlling the distance. Um, <clears throat> but again, big wins at this point. We're at hole 15. We might have wins at 15 or higher on this course. Uh, be extremely cautious of bit well any big wind but for sure big headwind is going to kill your distance and any big yeah. crosswind is going to be ex uh, is going to move your ball extremely far to the left really and right really push it yeah Th this is a whole uh, back in the day and then currently that I don't find myself unless I'm using a high tee putting spin on very much because if you're if you're not using a tee and you're using spin that elevation change as it's coming down can really accentuate either the back spin or the roll which can be a positive but to me in my game I find it more negative most of the time so I find myself uh, if I use a high tee maybe using a bite or maybe using a release but not terribly often yep uh, next up we've got hole 16 the last par 5 on the course um, relatively straightforward. I think you, you've got some stuff on your way off the tee. Um, 
you know, you want to you wanna end up, there's the, the fairway kind of L's, you want to be, you know, kind of toward the end of the L, uh, you know, further left. Uh, you, there's no reason to flirt with near the water, though. No, nope, You're perfectly fine being uh, on, the, on the near side of that L. Uh, it gives you, you're going to be, you're probably going to end up cutting a little bit around, uh, again, we've got another one of those tall castles uh, that's going to be in your way, into a down nine green, which can be a little bit tricky. Yeah. Um, so it's almost always going to be a backspin, maybe a bite if you've got a big headwind, but mostly a backspin. And it's going to usually be, your approach shot is going to be usually like a, a three wood, kind of in that range of four wood to a 290 driver. Yeah, green, green is fairly surrounded by bunkers, I believe, uh, both kind of short and left, uh, off to short and right, and then uh, long and right as well. You do have water and kind of a uh, dirt patch back there. Sometimes it's gone on the water, sometimes it stayed in the dirt patch. Um, for this late in the round, it's it's definitely a scoreable hole with a favorable setup where you can take an eagle this late in your round. Yep, for sure. Uh, not favorable. <laughs> the granddaddy of them all the for ultimate, Heather Point. Jim Z's ultimate FU hole, I think. Yes. Uh, Heather Point 17. Uh, again, we get huge wins on this hole. A very skinny right 10 green. Uh, I guarantee if you uh, polled a bunch of people that this would be one of their least favorite holes. Uh, certainly of this year's courses, but of, probably of all the courses because it's just extremely difficult. Uh, you can obviously get some setups to where the where the wind blows you just right to offset that that right nine or right ten green, but you you might find yourself with a, a seventeen left to right wind into a right ten green, and you're gonna find yourself playing a big old cut. Yeah, you're gonna hit a cut, and if you overcut it, you might end up to the left side of the green and in a bunker, and then be, chipping be in, in the a, water, being a pot bunker, have a lob wedge coming out of the sand with that big left to right. You're going to have a tailwind. You're going to have a down 10 green with a cliff behind you where I've definitely stroke limited. And on the flip side, if you undercut that and you don't get back to the green, you're turning it into the side of the cliff. You're getting wet. All of a sudden, you have a short chip, and you have a left-right wind. You have a right sloping green, and you almost have to play a cut chip yeah, or yeah. a turn left one or two to chip it on the green. J just a really tough hole. Uh, props to Jim Z, though. It, it's a great hole, as frustrating as it is. Uh, I, I think it's one of those better holes. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's, I, yeah. I say it's I say it's someone's least favorite hole only because it, people end up putting big scores up there, mm -hmm. uh, which is true. Um, but yeah, it's not unfair. It's just no. extremely difficult. Yeah, very good hole. So I'll let Tony close it out here. Uh, hole eighteen, a little bit about what you see is what you get. Par four can play a little bit long in my uh, my warm up round this morning. I had a, it played up to like three hundred and thirty yards. And I had a headwind, so I ended up high teeing a driver. But for the most part, you're going to be kind of a – it's going to be a three-wood or a 290 driver kind of shot. You, it can play – it's one big, long tee box, so you got about 100 yards worth of tee box there to play with. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's into an up six green, so uh, the advent of bite helps a ton on this Huge. type of – You know, if, you, if you're coming in with a three-wood uh, – you don't really want to backspin that three wood in an up nine green. No, you, not you certainly don't. Chance. And 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 ha playing it naked feels a little bit scary. So just having it flying with bite, nice and smooth, um, super, bite is a super helpful kind of spin on this hole. Yeah, very uh, very advantageous now. But again, as at, compared to back in the day. At this point, you might get a crosswind of 19 miles an hour. So. Uh, we're not super used to. Nobody's used to playing crosswinds at 19 miles an hour. They don't even really have those anymore with Golden Tee. 
And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what I, uh, I don't know what club is exactly one click at 19 miles oh, an hour. No, maybe I, it's a, maybe it's a six wood. We, we need to get with Dan Weiss from uh, down at the Powercade. He uh, definitely likes to do a breakdown on club analysis and how they're offset differently. Uh, as we look to upgrade our equipment here and so forth, uh, we're looking to potentially do guests whether they're coming in to the podcast or potentially looking into getting the proper equipment uh, to take call-in guests. So that's a pretty exciting thing. Uh, but in wrapping up, we really hope you enjoy Heather Point. Uh, I know it's a course I always love being part of the yep. original four courses, uh, original live courses. I, I have a great spot in my heart for all five of those courses. Always always a fun uh, fun time to get them in class of course of the week. Uh, once again, we're just going to wrap it up here, but we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor this week, uh, Haas' Sleeping Potion. Uh, if you guys go and get Tansy's Taco Shack, and if you're trying to put yourself to sleep after all those tacos, Haas' Sleeping Potion will do the trick. So it's a shout great combo. Yeah. It's, it's a great uh, combo of sponsors. Yeah. You, you can basically roofie yourself. Perfect. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, just want to give a shout-out to everyone. Hopefully everyone had a great 4th of July. They made it through it uh, safe and sound, had a great time with their family and friends, entertaining for you know America's holiday. And uh, just please remember to follow us, subscribe us, rate us, and uh, any great YouTube videos or whatnot, post them on Facebook. And uh, any, uh, you know, we talk about the tips and tricks of the week. Uh, if anyone's got specific ones they want to talk about, specific things that they have been giving them trouble, uh, we'd love to hear that too, and we can incorporate that into future podcasts. So with that, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, this is Tony Johnson, a.k.a. Whammy, and we got Will over here, a.k.a. Ricky Fitz, signing off. Take care, guys.